Today, we're really um, going to dive into uh, just some more just scriptural things, of course. We want to go throughout scripture and see what God's word has to say that, that, that is the anchor of everything that we do. But then we're going to get super practical. And I, I wanted to say this right out the gate, and that is that we're going to focus more on the marriage side today just because uh, that's really what we felt like we wanted to go. But for those that are in the house that are single or um, widowed or you're just you're divorced and you're like, up, oh, check out. Don't check out because so much of the stuff that we're going to be sharing today is actually applicable to all relationships. So it can apply to your family, can apply to your friends. And so it's not just marriage-centric, uh, even though we'll, we'll lean it to marriages. Um, I just want you to, to just check in because so much of this can apply to relationships in general. So you ready, babe? Yep. Let's, let's roll. Let's go. Let's go. So today we're, we're calling this, uh, this message the foxes of love. And I'll let Lindsay maybe explain a little bit about why we're even calling it that and where we're going to go today. So if you got your Bibles, go to Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, chapter 2. That's where we're going to be. We'll put, the, we'll put the verse on the screen as well. We'll read that in just a minute. So, so yeah, Song of Solomon is just a, um, like an analogy of a couple, and um, they get married, and early on they start having problems, as is reality in real life, right? And so the bride asks her husband this question, which we find in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, little, catch that, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the, gra- the grapevines are blossoming. The vineyard represents the relationship, Right? And so um, the foxes are the little things that cause big damage, right? It's the little things left unsaid, left unchecked, left untalked about. Those are the things that grow and become big problems. Because nine times out of ten, like, there's a big problem, you work together, you solve it. It's those little things that build and build and build. And just like I don't garden because it doesn't work out for me, but, like, if, you ha- if you're great at it, I'm so happy for you. But if you have a garden, if something <laughs> was coming into your garden, you're going to stop it, right? Because little by little, it would eat away at it. And it's the same way with our relationships. And if we're honest, it's the small things that are left unattended, uncommunicated, or unresolved that cause really big problems in our relationships. And it's our relational responsibility to try to catch those things as it's saying, catch them. And guess what that requires, though? Four-letter word, work. It requires some work on our part, on both parts. Yeah, so we're going to go through four foxes. Um, small foxes, now these can become really big foxes, but we, we did want to hone in on the small stuff because we can jump to affairs that destroy marriages, which they do. We can jump into secrecies that destroy marriages, and they do. But it is honestly often the little things, and it's the little things that we want to go after. So we're going to go through four foxes, and then what we're going to do with each of these foxes, we're going to tell you how you catch it. Um, because you can catch every one of these. And so the first fox is this. If you take a note, you got notes? Wait a minute, you got some notes? Everybody, yeah, let's go. Okay, if you got notes, take this first one. The first, the first fox that we want to do is the fox of distraction. The fox of distraction. In, in Song of Psalms, uh, in chapter 6, verse 3, they say this, I am my lover's and my lover is mine. And, and I want you to see how uh, there's this great affection for one another. I'm my lover, my lover is mine, that we are deeply in love with one another. And so you, you can think about this in the dating phase. You know, there's so much uh, affection, there's so much 
um, emotion and chemicals that are happening within your body that there's just stirring all of this great love for them and you have this incredible emotional romantic connection to this person. But then you get married and those chemicals <laughs> over the course of time can begin to drop and what ends up happening is, is you started this relationship very face-to-face, a lot of conversations, a lot of phone calls. We laugh all the time because I really don't like talking on the phone that much. Lindsay really doesn't either, but when we were dating, like, we talked on the phone all the time, and, like, in the middle of the night, like, you get off. No, you get off. No, you get off. I'm going to just lay it right here and hear you breathe. Right? My mom would call and be like, Mom, I'm so tired. I don't want to talk. And then Josh would uh, call and jump out of bed, like, immediately, like, and talk for three hours. So About nothing. Yeah, yeah. nothing. And now we're like, you got nothing? I'm going to bed. Okay, so. Good night. True? Is this true? This is true stuff, right? So what ends up happening, though, is after we get married, here's, here's the change, though. We can go from viewing our spouse as a soulmate to a roommate. And, and oftentimes this happens. Family Life did a survey of more than 10,000 couples, and they asked them to name the culprit that they felt was robbing their marriages. And so they list a, com- a couple of common factors if, if you agree with this, I want you to say yes after I said this, okay? So these are things that could rob marriages. Children. Yes. Stress. Yes. Social media. Yes. Work. Yes. Phones. Yes. Health issues. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody agrees with this. And I think all of us realize, like, when, you're, when you get married, you know, there's that kind of romantic side and then you get married, and then, and then it's not that you're intentionally trying to uh, not be with each other, but there's just life demands, right? There's work. Uh, maybe both of you are working. I know for Lindsay and I, we're in a very different season because now Lindsay is, uh, is working full-time here at the church. Lindsay is our kids pastor here at the church alongside with me as well. So, like, what y'all didn't see is, like, she's preaching with me today, but for the last 45 minutes, she's been in OSC Kids making sure all your kids are taken <laughs> care of. And then she's got to come up here and preach. You know what I did today? I just came here to preach. Like, y'all realize, like, that's, like, people don't see that side of things. And so, like, all throughout the week she's working, all throughout the week that I can be working. We've got a lot of meetings um, trying to pastor this church. It's, it's an incredible joy. But it does do this. And then, I mean, you know, if you've got kids, that's a whole other ball game. And then depending on what season of life, if you've got young kids, I mean, you know, that's, a, that's its own thing. And then as your kids get older, that's its own thing. They say young kids are headaches and older kids are heartaches, yeah. right? And you're chauffeuring. You are the permanent chauffeur. Now, we have an 18-year-old now, and he learns to, he's now learned to be a chauffeur, uh, not by choice, but by demand. And we're going to grieve when he leaves us because then that means dad's got to be chauffeur again. But it, it does happen really often, and, and then, I mean, you just add the fact that at the end of the day, you're just exhausted, um, you're just tired, and, uh, you know, I know in both of what we do, like, most of our day is filled with people, so all day we're talking to people, all day I'm dealing with people's problems and issues and trying to make decisions, and so when I come home, after I have the meetings, Lindsay wants to know about the meetings, <laughs> And I'm like, I don't want to talk about nothing to nobody, no more. And that can happen. 
over time, and if, you, if that continues to happen over time, eventually there's incredible distractions. And so how many know that there's chances where you could be physically present and emotionally absent, though? You're in the house, but you're not. You're there, but you're not there. And, and even I know practically, that's, that happens all the time. Even practically of, like, you're having a conversation with somebody, and they're on their phone, and they're like, I'm listening. You say something, and they're like, I'm listening. And they may be, right? But that's not communicating, like, value to the other person. And in our society, it's such a big thing. But, right, like, I don't feel loved if, like, you're having a conversation. So, like, what can we do? Like, put it down and show value to the other person. I'm saying this because I am guilty, too, not like, y'all need to do that. Um, so that is, our phones are such a huge distraction. Um, yeah, distractions make intimacy impossible. <clears throat> and so that's why distra- little distractions are such a big, big deal. And it, wh- here's what I've found, at least. It's usually not little distractions with bad things. We're distracted with good things. It's not bad things. But good things can steal great things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the deal. Good. So... Um, so let's talk about how we catch it. Yeah. If you found yourself in a distracted, you found yourself distant, if you've been very distant from your spouse or from those that you love, how do we catch that? We catch distraction with priority. So in Genesis 2.24, it says, this explains why a man leaves, he catch that, leaves his father and his mother. You got to disconnect from your father and your mother and you're joined to your spouse, to your wife. And the two are united to one. So that whole scripture, the two become one. So now you're leaving things and you're coming to. So each, your spouse has to become a priority. And um, that's how healthy marriages are formed when it's a priority. They're not going to be your number one. They're not going to be your all. Nobody is that. That's um, not even um, a reality. But that they're God. We've talked about this often. God, family, children. And just like money, if money, the, money is the commodity of business, Time is the commodity of relationships, and there has to be that priority. Your spouse has to become or be a priority in your life. Yeah, so as I said, we want to get, like, super practical, okay? So I always want to make sure you leave out of here and you've got some <clears throat> things that you can implement. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about some things that you can do to make your spouse a priority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a list. If, if, who likes lists? Anybody like lists? I'm a list guy. I like to make lists of lists. That's how much I like lists. I like to check things off So of if you like lists, here's, here's something for you. So uh, ways to prioritize, text throughout the day. So just throughout the day, just find ways just to text them. Um, it can be whatever. Um, it can be romantic text. It could just be like updates, how's your day. It could be just constantly just finding ways to text each other throughout the day. Put the phones away. Which that seems weird. I thought you just told me to text. Okay, I'm talking about like when you get home, when you get home, put, put the phones away. So just finding time to just do that. I, um, I'll, I'll give you all, for example, like uh, in, our, in our home, in our family, and this, is, this goes to the children's side, the parenting side, but no phones are allowed in bedrooms. None. Zero. Like if you're going to be on your phone, you're going to be in the living room. You're going to be with us. Um, you're not allowed to do that. No, no devices in the, in the, in the bedrooms at all. We need to put those phones away. No phones are allowed at the dinner table. That's not, that's off the table. You can't, can't do that. We're not going to be, we're not going to be doing that. When we eat out at dinner, um, when we go out to eat, have you ever been out to eat at dinner and you see a whole family and nobody's talking, everybody's on their phones? Like, man, that's a cool family right there. Look, everybody, are they texting each other? Like, what do you want? What do you think? What are you get off, for? get off, be present. Um, date and depart often. Now, I, I want to be careful when I say depart because some of you are like, I did that. <laughs> so, not divorce, okay? I mean, 
What I mean by that is uh, you need to go on dates. You need to, and then you need to get away. You need to, like, you need to go on vacations without your kids. Say that again. You need to go on vacation without your kids. Um, you need to make this, make this a priority. Now, it may not it have to be super long. It may be like a day. It may be a weekend. Um, but you need to get away without your kids. And, and here's the deal. I'm going to just tell you. I hear this all the time. Pastor Josh, we just don't have time and we don't have money to go out on dates. Bull. Let me tell you why I call bull. Because if you got a divorce, you date your new girlfriend. I, that, is that not true? All of a sudden, you'd find time and money to date this new person. Hey, let me save you a lot of money and a lot of heartache. Just date your wife. Just date your husbands. Okay? Just, just date them. Like, well, you don't have a lot of money. You can just go to the park. You don't have to spend money. It's the fact of being priority together. Most of Lindsay and I's dates, let me get, okay, here's the secret. Ready? I'm going to help you, Stephanie. Here's our secret. We don't go anywhere. Our kids are all youth age now, so thank God. They're all in OSU youth, so they come here on Wednesday nights. Guess what? That's our date night. We got built-in child care. Okay? And, and so they all come from, for youth. They leave at 5 o'clock, and they're not home till about 8, 8.30. And so Lindsay and I, so we'll look at each other like, what do you want to do tonight for date night? We're like, I don't want to do nothing. Okay. Do you want to talk? No. Let's just be together. We'll just watch TV. Okay. Awesome. Praise God. All right. All glory to the Lord. Y'all with me here? Like, it doesn't have to be... Doesn't have to be much. You just find out what each love, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go? Do you want to stay? And most of our stuff is staying. Okay, so uh, get a date. Set a date. Take your wife on a date. Go on a date. Okay, so <laughs> I just want to make sure I put that one out there. Like, it's weird. We, like, date during dating, but then we <laughs> stop dating our wife and then wonder why she's not. Anyway, ask their, <laughs> ask their opinion before you make plans. Yeah. <sighs> I've learned this one the hard way. <laughs> I've learned this one the hard way. Um, it, before you make plans, especially if the plans involve her. Well, it, it will inadvertently involve me anyway. True. Because of time or schedules or True. kids or whatever. So before I say, like, yes to anything or say, like, you know, people invite us somewhere or I even want to invite people over to our house or whatever, I've just learned, okay, babe, what, what do you think? What do you want? And so she'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Or she'll be like, no. And I've learned the hard way. I've learned coming home and going, hey, such and such, they'll be here at five. And she's like, what the? Uh, she said Stephanie's word. Okay, so. That's allowed in here, by the way. I know it's like heaven and hell. Okay, it's allowed here. So ask their opinion. There's nothing more frustrating than not. That's, it's, a, it's a form of value. Mm -hmm. It's a form of value. I value you. Before I go, I've heard of guys going and buying, like, $60,000 trucks and literally coming home going, hey, I bought a truck. You literally just put us in $60,000 in debt and didn't say anything? You on the couch for a while. Okay, so. Not in, not in like debt, that. but you could buy me a Bronco any day. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. But I don't want to be in debt. Which so. child are we selling? <laughs> no. All right, so. None. All right, next one. This is, a, oh, this one's a hot topic. Keep your children out of your bed. Keep your children out of your bed. Now, listen, I know you may be like, Our, my husband said it's okay. No, he didn't. He may have said it out loud, but he didn't say it inside. Inside, he's like, when the, Stephanie's word, are these kids going to get? I'm just telling you. Now, listen, we, 
listen, there's sickness and, you know, scary dreams and all that. And every once in a while, you know, our, our, our kids, but literally from the very beginning, that was like, that's a sacred space. It's a sacred space. My kids do not belong in our bed. And here's what it does. When you let your kids in your bed, you're communicating to your spouse you love your kids more. I'm just telling you. It's what it's communicating. And so you, you need to guard that sacred spot. Like our kids have to knock on door. They don't just budge in. Ball, well, we have a lock too. <laughs> and so anyways. Come on, somebody. So... Go to, <laughs> y'all wanted the secrets. You're getting all the secrets. <laughs> go to bed at the same, my, my son's on the front row. So go to, <laughs> go to bed at the same time. This is a big deal. I, Lindsay and I used to be really on different, I'm a night owl. She would go to bed early and then it kind of changed and it's just a lot of stuff. So we've just learned like, um, we're going to try to, now this isn't all the time. There are times where I stay up and I have to do more work or, you know, don't, don't take these to extremes, mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't, these can all be extremes, but we've learned to prioritize, like, you going to bed, I'm going to bed, like, we just, we're going to go to bed together, um, don't overcommit yourself, um, man, this could be in so many different things, let, let me teach you a very, very great, one of the best words we've ever learned, no, yeah. no, so, like, our kids are only in in certain things. I don't say yes to everything for them. If I know it's going to overcommit us due to our, our pr current priorities, like we're going to go no. If it's been a crazy week and whatever, we're going to say no. Like just learning to say no. And here's the problem. More people are afraid of saying no to other people than they are to their spouse. Their spouse gets no more than other people do. That's wrong. Yeah. And that's a way of not prioritizing your, your, um, your spouse. And so don't overcommit yourself. Be mindful of your schedule. Like, are we crazy? Is this a crazy season? What's going on? We need to back down. Like, we've gotten a lot healthier in this. Um, I used to say yes to everything and everyone, and it was my fault. Uh, and then, of course, last, praying for. This is not last. It should be really first. But praying for and with one another. So making that value. Grabbing your hand before you leave for work and say, babe, what can I pray for you today? That speaks value, that speaks priority. Okay, so with all of these foxes, I've got a question at, at the end of every one of them that y'all get to go and do homework with. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Okay, so here's the question. Ready? Write this down, take a picture of it. Question is this, does your current calendar show that our marriage is a priority? If not, what can we do to change that? When's the last time you've been on a date night? When's the last time? Do we look, look at that, go through that list of what, what I just shared. Is there anything on here that we need to make some things, we need to rearrange some things to make priorities? So does our current calendar show that our marriage is a priority? This is, this is huge. We've learned this the hard way. Yet again, just telling y'all, this is a big deal for us. All right, let's go to two. Number two, the fox that we need to catch is the fox of comparison. And as you know, comparison is such a trap because it's based on two things. It's based on a partial truth. You don't know the full story, right? You don't have the big picture. And it's based on unattainable reality most of the time, right? So two things that are just going to put you in a, a pitfall. And the problem with comparison is that we're doing it um, at a time when we tend to be under the influence of two things, extreme emotions and insecurities. So we're coupling like a, a, just a firestorm, right? We're just putting things together that are just not going to go well when we compare. And also, if you get in a fight with your spouse and um, 
a lot of times the enemy wants to lie to you that, um, to shout to you that other marriages are perfect, right? Everybody else has it together. You're the one who's struggling. You're the only one like this when you're comparing because you think, oh, when you think of so-and-so. Usually isn't it like when you're down, you start thinking of like all the people who are doing awesome and you're like, they have it all together. But what? You have, you don't have all, you don't have the full story and you, you're, it's not based in reality. So that a lot of times happens when we compare. It's just a bad storm. Um, and so another thing that we can do with comparison is we like to compare our success with others. And so that whole keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like, and sometimes it's easy, like with comparison, it's like, well, okay, well, I'm not doing as bad as so-and-so, right? But then you'll always, like, you'll never reach whatever you're trying to, to get to. There's always something else, somebody better, a better relationship, a better whatever. And I know it doesn't need to be said, but social media can be the absolute worst for comparison, as we know. Because you can just see as you're scrolling, like, they make more money, they go on more trips, they do this, they, they're, they're, they, you know, you show the highlights. So when you're they go comparing, on a date. yeah, they go on dates weekly or twice a week or, you know, whatever. And so um, it just is a bad, it can be really, really bad. And if you're comparing your real life to someone else's posted life, oh, you're going to implode. It's just going to cause so much discontent also Say within yourself. Yeah. Say that one again. If you're comparing your real life to someone else's posted life, you're going to implode. Um, it's going to create so much discontent within yourself. And I know for myself, when I'm struggling, a lot of times I have to take a step back from social media because you're just seeing all the incredible things. And you get bitter or you know jealous or envious. So it's like, okay, I have to be self-aware to be like, hey, this is not a good time for me to consume all of this because it's just highlights and I'm starting to compare. And just a huge pitfall that I would like really, I'm not saying you won't ever struggle with it, but to not go there is to comparing, to compare your spouse to another man or woman. You're going to come up short every time and you're going to lose. And that's just such a quick way to destroy your marriage is to compare them to someone else. Because you married your spouse for their unique strengths and personalities, right? Guess what? You picked them. You, like, no one for, I don't know about, I don't think any of you had an arranged marriage, right? Like, you picked them. So be, like, content with your choice. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But you got to find, even if it's one, find a positive, right? And focus on that instead of, oh, so-and-so is this and that and that and that. And a lot of times they can come from social media. So, like, maybe we just need to take some steps back sometimes. From that, but um, yeah, yeah. I, the phrase I, I don't remember who I heard it from, but they said there's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison because either you're going to compare yourself to people who are grander than you, and then you'll feel depressed and discouraged, or you'll feel, or you'll compare yourself to people who are less than you and get proud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so, comparing ourselves is constantly a place that can get us into a really bad place. So, how do we catch this fox? Um, we, we catch it with gratitude. You, you catch the, the fox of comparison with gratitude. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, give thanks in what? All. All circumstances. So that means like when the marriage is great, give thanks. When the marriage is not great, give thanks. When, when they're on your good side, give thanks. When they're on the dark side, give thanks. <laughs> Like, we've got, in every circumstance that we're in, we need to give thanks. And here's why. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So people want to know, man, what's God's will for my life? Yeah, be thankful. That's God's will for your life. 
for you to be grateful for everything that God has given you. Listen, I don't have to be grateful for the circumstances, but I can be grateful in the circumstances. I know that's a difference, right? I don't have to be grateful for what I'm going through, but I can be grateful in what I'm going through. Because I just know that God is with me, that God is for me, that God is working on our behalf. God is working in the midst of everything that's gone. And the opposite, the opposite of envy, which is what comparison is really driving, it's envy. The opposite of it is gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so what you'll find out is it's not happiness that makes people grateful. It's gratefulness that makes people happy. And that's, <laughs> that is a huge part of, of, of our marriage. So when you start getting really kind of... Um, upset about where your marriage is and where your husband is or your spouse is or what any relationships that you're finding yourself getting like very discontent and very maybe embittered towards, you need to ask yourself, you need to step, step back and ask yourself, man, what is it about this relationship that I am incredibly grateful? As Lindsay said, like you pick them. Undoubtedly, you pick them because you saw something in them that you desired. Mm -hmm. Where did that go? And you say, well, that, I, that's, I haven't seen that anymore. Well, it, there could be many reasons why you're not seeing that anymore. And it's definitely dual-sided. It's never one-sided. Um, so here's the question that you can, you can uh, wrestle with in your relationships and, 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 and uh, in your marriage. Here's the question. What about my spouse and our marriage am I grateful for? And tell them. So when is the last time? Listen, I, I know the last time you probably told them about all the things you're ungrateful for or the things you're complaining about. But when is the last time you actually told them what you're incredibly grateful for? Yet again, here's the big deal, though. In the small things, not just the, I'm so grateful you provide for us. Like, I'm so, like, yeah, okay, good. But, like, how about those very small, small details of, like, what you saw them do this week that, that they went out of their way? Or what did you see? What's the small things that you can do? I wonder what would happen in our marriages if we spent more time being grateful for them than complaining about them. I'm very curious how that would shift the environment in our relationships if we would start saying the things that we love and are appreciative for than just the things that we're not. I think there's a Proverbs that talks about a complaining person, and it's better to sit on the top of the rooftop than to be in the house with them. Okay, let's just keep going. <laughs> uh, Number three. <laughs> num moving on, moving right along. Number three, the fox that we have to catch, and I just feel like it's such a foundation of marriage. <sighs> The fox of miscommunication, right? I feel like Jesus and communication are like the foundation of marriages because you cannot get relationships right if you get communication wrong. It's just there's not going to, it's not going to work. There's going to be a huge misunderstanding, miscommunication. And arguments can often occur when there's misunderstanding and miscommunication, as we all know, right? It just takes one little thing and then that, that conversation is just, over with. But in James 1.19, it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, which is a lot more difficult to practice than to just to read, right? Which that our is, culture is the opposite. Uh, yeah. Fast okay. to get angry, mm -hmm. fast to speak, don't listen. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally, yeah. that's, what, that's what we are. Quick to judgment, Quick to say everything that we think we should say, mm -hmm. and then, oh, maybe I should have asked a question. Oh, maybe I should have listened. Um, if that's even, if people even go to that route. Most people don't even want to listen because they've already jumped to things yeah. already. Yep. So God is giving us, he's telling us how to relate to one another, right? Being 
quick to listen, but we always or often can do the opposite. And a lot of uh, miscommunication mistakes can happen with these three things. If you've done them, you don't have to raise your hand because we, we all have. But number one, a huge miscommunication mistake, number one, is making assumptions because we know the little saying about assumptions, right? Making, no, say it. No, I'm not. <laughs> we can make, you, you know it, you know it. Stephanie would have said it. So. <laughs> you can make assumptions, right? Once, and also, once we make an assumption, we've made our mind up, right? Like, the person's just here, and you have brought it, like, over here, and you can't even, like, come back to reality or where what's really trying to be discussed because you have brought it. I was trying to think of an example. I can think of one with the kids, but I was trying to think of, like, an example of... Yeah, let's use our kids' secrets. That's good. That's no, good. I was just going to say, like, your kids are playing outside and you can't find them, and all of a sudden you're like, the black van came, the white van has abducted them. Like, you know, you make... That's, like, my immediate... Not that they just are somewhere they can't hear you, but I was trying to think of a, a marriage one, but, like, we make assumptions, and when we make assumptions, we're also refusing to see their point of view, right? Like, we just have this set and that you are not going to change that. I think it's easy to make assumptions in text messages. Oh, that's super, yeah, there's no tone. Right? Yeah. Yes. Like, there's, you don't know how it was said. So you Fill in say the it in your mind how you, think, how you read it. And then she you said come, fine. You, well, the girl was just like, fine. Like, okay, it's cool, you know. <laughs> what do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? Like, I don't know. I, don't, I was just asking. I don't know. And then there are some people who like to text in all caps, and you're just like, why are they, you yelling at me? But they just like to. Or they sign their name at the end like you don't know it's them. All right, anyway. We're airing out all of our, all of our issues here. Uh, but yes, text can be very misunderstood. I, I, I will say this. Please don't, please don't take... We, uh, we live in a day and age now, specifically this younger generation, where you deal with all of your stuff via technology. So instead of having the conversation face-to-face, -face, or even, God forbid, just a phone call, we just blow it up in these text things. I'm so mad, and now this, this. And yet again, you're just having all of these things, and a lot of it is assumptions, but you're just doing. And this happens, yet again, like I said, these are, these are principles in every relationship. This isn't just marriage, by all means. This is friendships. This is, you know, um, parenting. This is work-related. You just immediately like, oh, they're firing me. Like, no, he just asked, like, are you doing okay? Like, you know, it's like we just jump to so many assumptions. And so I think to, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I, I think that's a big deal. And I know we do it with each other all the time. Like, I'll say something and then she immediately will jump in mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, where did you come with that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we weren't even talking about, Guilty. and she just immediately wants to, and I can do that too. Um, with her all the, you know, all of a sudden. And so it's because we've already got a narrative in our mind mm -hmm. of what we think they're trying to say yeah. instead of actually doing the work to mm -hmm. really find out what they're saying. So that's mistake number one of miscommunication. Mistake number two is act out. Like raw emotion can make you so reactive, which turns into further problems for your marriage and further damage because emotions can drive us to say and do things we will regret. Like, more, more things I've regretted have been because I've acted out of emotion than any other time. And so I always like to put it this way. When things go south, watch your mouth. 
the other thing that I like to say is when emotions are high, your judgment's low. So when, when, you're, when you're on an emotional high, whether that's anger, frustration, upset, miscommunication, blah, 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 just be careful making any decisions in that moment. Like, just don't. Don't make any decisions. And be very, very mindful of what you're saying as well. Mocking them, I've been guilty of. I've been guilty of. Sarcasm. Name calling. I was going to say we really don't name call too, too much. I'm not saying that because of us. No. I, was <laughs> I mean, I could say like the other things. That one yeah, was theirs. Okay. Um, <laughs> one for me, one for you. I'll read mine eye rolling. <laughs> say that one again. Eye rolling. And he'll like eye roll it back. And like, I'll eye roll over, it back to her. An goes, overextended eye roll too. <laughs> No, it's that face, like, when I'm, like, you know, if I have started to act out, just hypothetically speaking, and he's like, and I'm, then it, like, makes me more angry. Sai is laughing because, like, it's true. Oh, it happens so often. It's a bad cycle. It literally happens. I'll be drinking. And when I'm, <laughs> just, me and Sai do it. We, me and Sai do it more than anything. We'll just look at each other like. <laughs> and then it makes me more angry, so, like. Oh, she gets pissed. All right, so. Secrets are say. out. Secrets, Secrets are, are out. out. <laughs> we don't, we really don't name call, though. Mm. Like, we really don't. We don't go there. Uh, I, I'll, I'll also say this. We've never said the D word. Divorce. Get your mind out of the gutter. Okay, so, like. We've never said the D word. Um. We don't threaten it, we don't use it, we don't never, like never. Like that ship is burned, that bridge is burnt. Like there's no going back, like she's stuck with me. Um, and so we don't, we don't throw that around and I'm telling you, if you throw that around, you're in dangerous territory, um, very dangerous territory. So acting out uh, and just being careful what you say. You know, you never do anything right. You're just like your mother. You're just like, like be careful, I'm just, I'm not, not saying that from experience. I'm just saying that from what I've heard. So <laughs> Other people do wrong. Other, other people's. Um, number three, shut down. When there's mis miscommunication, you shut down. Silence is not the cause of poor communication. Silence is a fear of pain. And so it's human nature for us to seek pleasure more than pain. And so we will avoid pain by just being quiet. So if your man shuts up and stops saying something, it's because he's just done. He just doesn't want to talk about it anymore because it's just more painful. Now, you do at some point have to address pain and all that kind of stuff. I'm just kind of letting you know. I, there's a women process men want to fix. So men, I'm going to tell you this. Men just, women want to just process it out and let's talk it out. Men just want to get to peace. Yeah. Like Whatever we can do to get to peace, let's get there as soon as possible. Now, men, listen, in order for you to get to peace, she's got to process unfortunate. I mean, that's just, but it is. It's what it is. There's got to be some talking out that, that happens. And, but men aren't the only ones who shut down. Women will shut down too. Um, and, and sometimes it's okay for us to, sh to, to, to pause. Like, hey, let's pause. We're going to come back when the emotions settle down. We can talk mm -hmm. about it. So, but shut, shut, full on shutdown is like, we don't talk anymore. Like, we don't even talk about anything anymore. Um, that's like, that's full on like, get to starting to get to dangerous mode where we don't say anything. There's something bigger going on and it's usually revolved around some pain moment that's there. 
And I've found, and I think we have found, that so much of frustration has come from unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I expected something of her, and it did, I mean, literally, it just, uh, just happened last week. Like, I came home. I was like, I was in meetings literally from 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. And I came home and there was an expectation that I had that, that, that dinner would be like warmed up. And I had text, because I had texted her like, hey, I'm coming home. And I, in my mind, yet again, not, not spoken, but in my mind, I'm thinking, she'll at least heat up some food when I get home. And when I got home, ain't, ain't no food. Now, there was cooked food, um, it was in the refrigerator. And I had to pull it out myself and go heat it up myself. And so it, there was an underlying, because I walked in, I was like, oh, no food. I'm like, there is food. You just have to heat it up. And I'm thinking, like, my thing is, I have food prepared, right? Like, I did that. I love you. It's prepared. I hate to cook. So it's a very, I'm laying down my life when I did cook this at some point <laughs> to cook it. Like, that's what I'm thinking. And he's like, she doesn't love me because, or not love, that's extreme. But, like, she didn't care about me because she didn't heat up the food. But he also didn't communicate that, right? Yep, so my fault. And um, so, yeah. All right, let's keep moving on. So, <laughs> how do we catch this fox, moving babe? Moving on, we catch that fox with clarity. Communicating with clarity. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool, right, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. Such a big thing in our culture, right? Not wanting to understand each other, but only in expressing his opinion, Right? Like, that's the thing now. Like, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody, you can hear everybody's opinion 24-7. They've got extreme ones. So it's a fool who doesn't want to get to the point of understanding, and you only want to say your opinion. But the goal of communication with anybody, not just marriage, is not just agreement, but understanding. We've got to come to a place where we can understand each other. We may not completely always agree, but we've got to get to where we can, that mutual... Yeah, a lot of times we don't, but you won't survive if you can't find some common ground in a road somewhere where somebody has to bend. It will just be war, really. War or complete separate lives in silence. And so in communicating with clarity, there are different ways we can do it. It's simple, but it makes such a big deal. The first thing is timing. Timing matters so much, right? If emotions are high or you're starving, like it's not a good time to have a big conversation, right? If the kids have just gone back from school and it's homework time and it's crazy, not a good time. If you're exhausted, it's not a good time. So in communicating, you just have to like get to where it takes maturity to get there, to not just like want to spurt something out. It's on the top of your mind. You're angry about it. You want to say it. It's probably not going to go well if the timing isn't right. So just look for it. It's not going to be a perfect time, but look for a good time. The second thing that really, really matters is tone. Not just when you say something, but how you say something. Like, how should I share this, right? Not at the height of emotion, not with the anger going on, like t- taking time to calm down. Because in Proverbs 15:1 it says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Like, another harsh word is sparking that fire of it, right? And I know when you are upset about something, it's, it can be difficult. So it's like maybe taking a moment to pray before you say it, waiting for that time, and in the tone. Because you can say it right, and you can, also, you can have the right thing to say, but saying it wrong is still wrong, right? And then the last thing with, with communication and clarity is trust matters. 
your spouse has to feel or any relationship that it's a safe place for you to share. There has to be trust. And if there isn't trust, then you got to start there and start working on building trust. But am I, do I feel safe to share this? Like, do they get super defensive when you can't even share anything anytime? You know, right? There's things that need to be worked on. Like your marriage should be a safe place for you to share your frustrations or um, needs or, you know, any kind of communication. So... I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> so let's say there's someone, there's a woman or a man in here, and they don't feel like they're in a trusting relationship. What do they do? I, you can answer too, but I feel like I would um, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the answer and then I talk. If someone doesn't feel like they're in a trusting relationship, like, I, I, it's not oh, safe. Yeah, I would even say, like, have you even voiced that? Like, if you don't feel like it's a safe place, have you even tried to say, to start the conversation with that? Hey, for blank reason, I don't feel safe here. It doesn't feel like I can share my heart with you because blank. That's what I would say, like, starting there. Like, you have to start somewhere. Do they even know that they've... However, created. it's been created a non-safe place for you. Yep. That's, okay, just, great. I'm just drawing okay. <laughs> wisdom out. I'm drawing wisdom out. Um, let's do questions to ask yourself when there is miscommunication. There's always miscommunication. When there is miscommunication, you've got to ask yourself three questions. What part of the problem was I? This is a self-awareness question because everything points finger every time. And what would it be like to do this? Was there something that I did that created this? So what part of the problem is I? Number two, what does my spouse need from me that they're not getting? Undoubtedly, there's something where there's miscommunication that whether it's validation, respect, love, trust, um, help, but they're trying to communicate something to me, and I need to find out what is it that they really need from me, and then what is the most important thing that I can do right now? Maybe the most important thing is to say you're sorry. Maybe the most important thing is to shut up and listen. Maybe the most important thing is for you to ask questions. Maybe the most important thing for you to do is just to go do the dishes. Maybe the most important thing, like, you've just got to go figure out what that is. So these are great three questions, and I'm going to add a question now for all of this to summarize this and here's your homework kind of homework question for for your uh, you and your spouse are there any areas in our relationship where we are unclear we got that question are there any areas of your in our in our relationship where we're unclear maybe it's maybe it's in areas of expectation maybe it's on the sexual side maybe it's on the physical side maybe it's on the emotional side maybe it's on the work side um, are there any areas where we need to go clear some things up in our lives? All right, um, we've got to wrap it up. Yep. Here's number four. Number four, the fox of self. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, don't be selfish. All right, let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't be selfish. I probably could sum up most marriage counseling with those three words. Don't be selfish. Mm -hmm. Stop. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Uh, Francis Chan said this is the most important Bible passage in regards to marriage. Because what ends up happening is what we fail to realize is when we're dating, this person is meeting a need of ours. 
And then when we get married, we can carry that same mentality into the marriage and go, what do they do for me? What do they do for me? What do they do for me? In the moment, they don't do anything for you. Is the moment you go, well, I think we've fallen out of love. No, you've fallen out of love for yourself. Because agape love, true love, the love that Christ has for us is an unconditional love that is not motivated by self, but it's motivated by you. Christ's love for you is not based off of just what his love for himself, but Christ's love is motivated best for what is best for you when you're aware of meeting the needs of others. This is a huge, huge thing in our lives. So just thinking of ways that we've done this. So, um, and, and, and I've, I've, I've learned this really the hard way, to be honest with you. There has been so much of my life that has been so self-centered. I thought I was incredibly humble and incredibly not proud until I got married. And then I was like, man, I'm way more proud and way more selfish than I ever realized. And then I added children in the mix, and I'm like, ooh, I'm really selfish. And um, they, will, they will suck the life out of you. And they will. <laughs> but at the same time, like, realizing, like, this is God's greatest form of making you like Jesus. Like, I always tell, tell single people this. If you want to love Jesus, stay single. If you want to become like Jesus, get married. Because <laughs> it's easy to love Jesus when Jesus is meeting all your needs. But it's a whole different ball game when God's now calling you to lay down your life, to not be selfish, uh, to find ways to do that. Um, this, is, this is a huge deal. So how do we catch this fox? Let's wrap it up. Babe. We can catch the fox with humility. And the Ephesians, I love this scripture, Ephesians 5, 28 through 29 says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Remember that. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. So about a year ago, I just, I guess I was reading this and I had just a really big revelation about this. And I feel like it's just a huge thing for marriage, right? So we think about, we've heard and I've said before, we're on the same team. We're, ma- we're married. We are on the same team. Like, why are we fighting? Why are we, whatever, we're on the same team. But actually, this scripture says, and it's actually even more than that. We're not just on the same team. We're one, right? I think it was in Genesis. It says when a man, you know, comes together, you're united as one. We are one body. And no one hates himself, as it's saying. No man hates himself, and we're one body. So when I am disrespectful or say things out of anger and I'm trying to hurt him, what am I doing? If we're one, I'm actually harming myself. Mm. So in marriage, when we want to, like, get one up or we want to poke or we Mm. want to, like, not understand and not listen, we're actually, when we're not getting along, I'm not harming him. I'm harming myself because the Bible says we're one. So it like takes that we are a team up another notch. So like think about that when you're arguing or getting into something when you want to do something as in revenge or in in meanness or harmness. Like if we're not good, I'm not good. So like why would I want to do something harmful that harms myself also? So I was just really, really hit with that. and I'll say on top of that, the other, other side of that is also true. When you're blessing the other, you're actually blessing yeah. yourself. Yeah. When you're serving the other, you're actually serving yourself. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're doing those things to, to add value to the other mm-hmm. person, you're adding value actually to yourself as well. So it goes, I feel like it goes, it goes both ways yeah. on that. And if you, just the saying, if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving, right? And I feel like this is also such a really, really big question. We're talking about the questions that we can ask. If we really, truly did this, how can I best serve my spouse 
this today or this week so they can flourish, right? If we're both doing that for each other, then we're both flourishing. Not just like, well, I didn't get this this week and I didn't get that. Like, what can I do that puts him in the place that he can flourish? And he's also, it's a two-way street, right? And I know if you don't have that other spouse that's willing to participate, I know that's hard. And that's where you have to depend. It's no easy way. You have to depend more on Christ's love for him to meet your needs more and to keep loving when someone's unloving. I get that that's a really hard spot. But what would it look like if you also, even if they're not in return, helping them flourish? Yeah. So let's read Colossians 3, 12 through 14. This is not in your notes, but this is a little extra here. And I'm going to, we'll wrap up with this. It says this in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted, mercy, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience. patience. Patience is another form of just long-suffering. Now, we're patient with one another. How many know we're all people in progress? We're all people in process. Make allowance for each other's faults. You know what that tells me? They're going to hurt me. Like, we're going to be at odds. So what would it look like if I went ahead and put money in the account for it? So when it gets drafted, it's not NSF. What if I already went ahead and said, I'm going to blow it today, she's going to blow it today, and when that moment happens, I'm already going to pre-forgive. Like, pre-forgiveness is going in the, in the bank. And why would I do that? Well, because, and forgive anyone who offends you, because you need to remember that the Lord forgave you. So you got to forgive others. And above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So, of course, this is a, a picture of not just marriage, but it's also a picture of the church. And um, I'm going to end with this because I think we've idolized marriage in our culture way too much. Um, we've made it like a pinnacle. Like, if you're really going to be successful in life, if you're really going to do it, like, you know, everything is, you got to get to the place of getting married. You got to get married. You got to get married. That is the greatest joy of life. If that was the case, then Jesus was the most miserable man. Jesus was never married. I mean, you know, you can have the pinnacle of life and never be married. You can have success and joy and peace and all the things that God longs for and never be married. To God, the most important thing is not that you have a happy marriage. To God, the most important thing is that you treasure him above all things. Mm-hmm. Now, let me do a newsflash. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be married. Some of y'all are like, like, what? I, I did not know that. Yeah, like, you know why? Because your ultimate marriage is to Jesus. And everything in this world is to point to your relationship to Jesus. So this is why we want to get this right and we want to be healthy and thriving in our marriage because ultimately it's the way that Jesus loves us. It's the way we get to express Jesus' love to someone here on this earth. It's the closest thing we can get to our relationship with God. And I love how John Piper said this and then we're going to close. John Piper said it this way. Marriage is momentary, a brief blessing, a great one, but not an ultimate one, a precious one, but not a permanent one. Marriage does not and should not meet all your needs. It should not take the place of Jesus himself. Marriage is but for a moment. Jesus is for eternity. How we live in our marriages and our singleness will show if Jesus is our supreme treasure. Would you pray with us? Father, we love you. 
God, I pray today for, first off, for all of these marriages that are here that are represented, those that are watching online. God, you know the status of where they're at, whether they're thriving, maybe they're just surviving, or maybe they're sinking. But God, we recognize today through your word that there may be small things that we've allowed into our home, into our marriage, but ultimately into our hearts. Maybe little bitterness. God, maybe little hurts that have been unresolved, unhealed. And now these things are now festering in our lives in ways, and we're seeing the fruit of it more than ever. But God, I I pray today that there would be a, 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 um, a response of, it's time to go to work. It's time to begin to remove these foxes that I've allowed in my life and then this incredible vineyard of relationships. And God, even just above marriage, just relationships in general, Lord, if there's been things that have been dividers, there's been things that have have brought um, pain, Lord, I thank you that your desire is to heal. Lord, I just pray that as we read in Colossians that you would help us to clothe ourselves with tenderhearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. God, help us to make allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because you made allowances for ours. Because you've forgiven ours. Because you've clothed us with righteousness. God, you've, you've Lord, you've seen the, the, the ugly parts of our lives, and yet you still choose to love us so much. So, God, I pray, Lord, for every person in here in this room that, that you would be the ultimate prize. You would be the ultimate treasure. God, that we would seek your help. Lord, we can't do marriage without you. We can't do relationships without you. We can't do forgiveness without you. We can't do grace without you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us today. There's those of you that maybe are in this room and you, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't surrendered to his lordship. And maybe you've been trying to make your marriage work, or maybe you've been trying to make relationships work, or maybe you've just been trying to make your life work. But today you're coming to the realization that it's your sin, it's your selfishness. It's things that have broken off your relationship, not only with God, but even with people. You can't get relationships right with other people if you don't get your relationship with God right. And so if you're here in this room right now, if you're watching online, you say, man, I want to get my relationship with God right. Would you just shoot your hands up so I know who I'm praying for? If there's any of you that's in this room, come on. Thank you. Right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to get my life right. I want right there. Back there in the back. Thank you. Y'all too right there. Anybody else? Man, I want to get my life right with Jesus first. So Father, right now, I pray over those who just raise their hands. God, I pray, Lord, just... That they would understand, Lord, that their sin is separated, but it's your grace, it's your mercy, it's your blood that was poured out on a cross for that. Lord, you went to a cross to pay for sins that we deserve to pay. But God, I thank you, Lord, that it it is your righteousness, it is your goodness, it is your grace, Lord, that forgives, that heals. So Lord, we repent of our sins, we repent of our selfishness, Lord, we repent of, of doing things our own way, Lord, we, we repent of that, and we ask that you would come and be our Lord, that you would come and be our Savior, Lord. Lord that, Lord, that we would be born again in you. Make our spirit come alive. Lord, help us to put you first in all that we do. 
And God, I pray, Lord, that you would come and help heal our broken hearts so that, Lord, we can in return, Lord, have great relationships with those around us. You're the point of our life. You're the point of our life. Lord, we love you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on,